Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here, the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. We are back after a week hiatus due to influenza A. Uh, whole, the whole house has been on uh, Ocel Tamavir, uh, and so far, everyone's doing fine. So we're going to talk about tamoxifen and CYP2D6, really focusing on some new uh, or some recent updates. Uh, before we get into that, though, just kind of to set the stage in the background, so you don't know tamoxifen, a serum selective estrogen receptor modulator. It's an old drug, and I think it's important to to note again on this podcast that it took us years to figure out which patient population benefited from tamoxifen and which patient population did not. When the drug was first found, we gave it to everybody with breast cancer, regardless of hormone receptor status. Uh, and then we looked at actual, uh, the absolute levels of estrogen receptor expression, whereas now we think of it as dichotomous, hormone positive or not. Uh, so just keep that in mind again when we think of uh, PD-1 inhibitor, PD-L1 inhibitor activity, how long it took for uh, society to figure out just to give tamoxifen to hormone positive folks. Uh, now tamoxifen is often considered a prodrug because it has an active metabolite in doxifen that is a hundred times more potent than tamoxifen itself. So if you are, uh, maybe you're, you're at the gym, you're on the bike, or you're, you're riding the bus, I want you to imagine uh, drawing with your fingers a square, and I want you to look in the upper left-hand corner of that imaginary square, and that is where tamoxifen sits for this discussion. And then move your arrow down or move your finger down, uh, and as you move your finger down, uh, tamoxifen is metabolized to N-desmethyl tamoxifen. And now you're at the bottom left-hand corner of our square, and move to the right. As you move to the right, you are being metabolized from N-desmethyl tamoxifen to endoxifen. Now that last step involves cytochrome P450 to D6. The first step involves mostly 3A4. All right, so you can go down and to the right, to get endoxifen, that's a 3A4 followed by 2D6 pathway. Now go back to the top left, go move to your right, you're being metabolized via CYP2D6 now to 4-hydroxytamoxifen, and then go down with your air to the bottom right-hand corner of the square, and you're back to endoxifen. So there are two ways you can get to endoxifen. You go 2D6, then get, a, then get on the 3A4 highway. Uh, that's probably the less common route, but the most common route is tamoxifen via the 3A4 or 3A5 highway to desmethyl tamoxifen, and then you get on the 2D6 to get endoxifen. So it's a two-step process, and everyone assumes that 2D6 is the most important and the rate-loading step here. Uh, but it is important to note that CYP3A4 is also involved and is required in addition to CYP2D6 along with this. Now, there's some other uh, isozymes like 2C9 and 2B6 and things like that that can that are also involved, but it's mostly 3A4 followed by 2D6, or 2D6 followed by 3A4 to get endoxifen. So even though endoxifen is 100 times more potent at uh, occupying the estrogen receptor compared to tamoxifen, tamoxifen is actually more prevalent in the serum con in the serum in folks taking tamoxifen. So which is more important? The more potent drug, endoxifen, at a lower concentration, or the more prevalent drug, tamoxifen, that has a lower potency? Uh, and that actually uh, remains to be seen. Uh, so, you know, historically, uh, well, uh, not historically, but we have um, identified over the years that, of course, there are lots of different genotypes for CYP2D6. And we can classify these as poor metabolizers 
intermediate, extensive or normal metabolizers, or ultra-rapid metabolizers. And as you go from poor to intermediate to extensive or normal or to ultra-rapid, the more CYP2D6 activity you have, the higher concentrations of circulating endoxifen you have if you are taking tamoxifen. And this has led to uh, a lot of research. Um, they're about in um, the two articles I'm going to talk about from this month in the Journal of Clinical Oncology, Daniel Hayes, who I, I'm pretty sure was a former ASCO president, maybe current ASCO president, I don't know, wrote an editorial. It talks about that there are 70-plus publications looking at this, uh, several you know systematic reviews and meta-analyses, and most of them show an association between poor metabolizers and having worse outcomes. So a classic example of this would be like metastatic breast cancer patients uh, put on tamoxifen, uh, they get genotyped, and then researchers go back and look and find that those with uh, poor metabolizing of CYP2D6 had uh, lower overall survival or died quicker compared to those that had uh, normal or ultra-rapid CYP2D6 metabolism. So they're often retrospective studies. Now, not all of them show a clear association between CYP2D6 genotype and breast cancer outcomes along with tamoxifen. Uh, part of this is that there is, uh, especially in the past, there is uh, variability in how CYP2D6 was measured, whether it was from somatic or tumor tissue or from germline tissue. Um, I and mean, I've seen discordant values in patients in clinic where we send this pharmacogenetic test versus that pharmacogenetic test, and even though it's the same patient, same blood, we get different results back uh, for one isozyme of, uh, of, an, of an enzyme. Uh, now, there are different classifications used by different research. Some would say poor, intermediate, extensive, ultra-rapid. Some would just say normal or abnormal, for example. These are usually small studies as well, uh, and there are a lot of variables that need to be confounded or be controlled for that could also affect risk of either breast cancer recurrence in the adjuvant setting or uh, progression-free survival in the metastatic setting. And there's an assumption that endoxifen is not just more important than tamoxifen, but is way more important than tamoxifen because no one's really uh, often measuring tamoxifen levels. And we also focus entirely on CYP2D6, but there may be other genes that are important as well. Very rarely is anything in society boiled down to just one variable. In the case that we try to make, all of tamoxifen's effectiveness is boiled down to CYP2D6. Uh, but in fact, one of the, the studies I'm talking about today, the same researchers in prior work looked at patients with breast cancer receiving tamoxifen and looked at the genotype of CYP2D6 and the multidrug resistance protein, MDRP. Uh, there's also the breast cancer resistant protein, maybe three or four. Maybe there are other things that should be investigated as well. And while we're on the subject of CYP2D6 and tamoxifen, I'll mention that of course, we worry about drug interactions in the form of CYP2D6 potent inhibitors. The best evidence we have for this interaction clinically is a retrospective study by Kelly and colleagues published in uh, BMJ, British Medical Journal, in 2010. And these were Canadian researchers that did a big retrospective analysis of patients taking tamoxifen and getting antidepressants. And they found that patients that also received paroxetine a potent 2D6 inhibitor had worse outcomes compared to other SSRIs. I'll point out in that study, and this illustrates, I think, the weaknesses we have in this research uh, in trying to validate uh, kind of sound science. Fluoxetine was also a cohort in that study, uh, and the, the fluoxetine did not show a significant um, pa patients taking tamoxifen and fluoxetine, fluoxetine is also a potent 2D6 inhibitor just like paroxetine, didn't show a significant uh, interaction. Now, there was 
I think four times more patients in the paroxetine group than the fluoxetine group, so it was likely underpowered to detect a difference. So that is another issue we see in these studies is the small sample size. Okay, so what's new? Well, this month, February uh, in 2020, in the Journal of Clinical Oncology, there are two two papers published, and they were uh, published online, uh, I think, in November and December, respectively, of 2019. So the first is Target 1, and this is published by Kinji, Tamura, and colleagues. And they looked at 184 Japanese patients with metastatic breast cancer receiving first-line treatment with tamoxifen. This is a prospective genotype-based dosing study. So they tested um, 184, 186 women, 184 were available for evaluation for 10 polymorphisms in CYP2D6, the 10 that they thought would be the most prevalent in their patient population in Japan. I should note, there are over 80 known uh, polymorphisms in CYP2D6. Uh, and they tested for these 10. If they did not find one of those 10 polymorphisms, then it was assumed the patient was wild type for, any, uh, for everything else. Um, and this was the group whose prior work uh, in patients in, uh, I think in the adjuvant setting, uh, had also looked at uh, uh, multidrug resistance protein genotyping as well. So they tested for these 10 polymorphisms. They did not classify them as normal, extensive, ultra-rapid, or poor metabolizer. They, ta- they, they uh, classified them as wild-type wild-type, so homozygous wild-type, homozygous variant. So, for instance, they had like a, star, uh, like a 2D6 star D and a star 2 mutation, so two polymorphisms or wild-type slash variable. Uh, and in those folks who had a CYP2D6 polymorphism, so wild-type var- slash variable, or variable slash variable, they randomized them either to 20 milligrams a day or 40 milligrams a day, which makes sense. The theory here is that poor metabolizers uh, would uh, not have as much endoxin. Therefore, if you gave them more drug, they would have more endoxin. And, and they did look just for those, uh, those isozymes or those polymorphins that conferred decreased activity. Uh, so... Uh, primary endpoint they looked at was six-month progression-free survival. Fair endpoint. These are patients with metastatic breast cancer. They should progress after a time. The progression-free survival rates at six months, 67.6% versus 66.6%. Pretty much exactly the same. No difference. Overall response rate, uh, 24.6% versus 25.4%. Again, basically the same. No difference. Uh, and if you look at the high-dose arm, they did have, on average, higher levels of endoxin, but there was a very, very wide range. Just because you were on the high-dose group did not guarantee that you would have a higher endoxin concentration than every patient in the regular-dose tamoxifen group. So there was a wide range, huge range, of endoxin levels, which tells you something else was going on. And they actually did a really good job of actually assessing adherence in this study. So we... we we can feel pretty confident that patients were taking their tamoxifen. They excluded patients on, uh, they listed about 10 or 12 2D6 inhibitors, so they did a good job trying to make sure that the only thing affecting uh, endoxifen concentrations were the patient's genes themselves. Um, so there must have been something else going on there because you did have a very wide range of endoxifen concentrations. Some of these folks getting 40 milligrams of tamoxifen had uh, the exact same concentrations as folks taking 20 milligrams of tamoxifen. But on average, there were higher endoxin levels in those who took um, the higher dose of tamoxifen. So what did the author say? I think the, their conclusion sums it up. Quote, in conclusion, to the best of our knowledge, this is the world's first prospective randomized trial to assess the clinical outcome of CYP2D6 genotype-guided tamoxifen dosing. Although we observed a gene effect 
on the serum active metabolite exposure, the PFS rates at six months did not significantly differ. So what this tells us, or what this would appear to tell me, is that just CYP2D6 alone uh, and a higher dose of tamoxifen is not enough to overcome uh, any inherent uh, hardship that patients who are poor metabolized for CYP2D6 would have with tamoxifen. That just increasing the dose of tamoxifen uh, may not work. Uh, would you have to measure endoxifen levels and then continue to increase the dose? Again, future ideas uh, for study. The second study I'm going to talk about uh, is called, titled, uh, CYP2D6 Genotype Presents Tamoxifen Discontinuation and Prognosis in Patients with Breast Cancer. And this was published uh, um, February of 2020 by uh, Hay, H-E, and colleagues. And this was looking at more than 1,300 patients uh, from a Swedish drug registry um, database. And they were able to, uh, based on prior genotyping, uh, classify every patient as either poor, intermediate, uh, normal, or ultra-rapid metabolizer. So of the 1,300 patients, 113 were poor metabolizers. That's 8.6%. Uh, 500 and 650 roughly were intermediate and normal metabolizers. And then there were only 48 ultra-metabolizers, and that was 3.7%. So the broad... A uh, hunk of patients were right in the middle of intermediate and normal metabolizers. Uh, and so what they looked at were six-month discontinuation rates. And what they found is the ultra-metabolizers had a much higher rate of discontinuation of tamoxifen at six months. 18.8% discontinuation rate at six months if they had the ultra-2D6 metabolizer compared to a 6.7% in, uh, in the normal group. And they attributed this disc high con discontinuation rate due to toxicity. They had a whole lot more endoxifen, the patients who were ultra-metabolizers in theory, and they had higher toxicity rates. And you could see the higher toxicity rates in um, as evidenced by higher rates of prescribing for things like drugs for hot flashes, like citalopram or something like that for hot flashes. So pretty clearly they did show that if you were an ultra-rapid metabolizer, you stop, you were more likely to stop the drug due to toxicity. Uh, and that fits with the theory that we know. But the first time that I've seen a study looking at uh, how that genotype might not just affect outcomes uh, with regards to recurrence or progression-free survival, but in drug adherence as well. Because we know that, that hot flashes, arthritis, myalgias are big causes of discontinuation and lack of adherence to the full five or 10 years of hormonal treatment. Uh, they also looked at outcomes. They looked at death in these patients. And this is, they did find an association that if you ate, were a poor metabolizer, you were more likely to die uh, compared to the normal genotype. And if you were an ultra-metabolizer, you were more likely to die. So they call this a U-shaped curve. So it didn't matter which extreme you're on, you, you tend to have a higher rate of death. Now, uh, this, uh, I think, is probably just chance uh, because the rate of death in the ultra-metabolizer group uh, there were five deaths. So the rate of death was 10.4%, but that only boiled down to five patients. The rate of death in the poor metabolizer group was 6.2%. That only boiled down to seven patients. So we have deaths in seven in the poor genotype group, 17 in their intermediate genotype groups, 17 in the normal genotype group, and five in the ultra-rapid group. So you're talking confidence intervals that go from like 1.2 to like 14 very wide confidence intervals, this, this very well may be chance. So I'm, I'm not sure that we can take a, a whole lot uh, from this study with regards to death, uh, but I do think that we can, uh, we can uh, 
take to the bank, maybe not to the bank, but I do think we can accept that patients who are ultra-rapid metabolizers uh, with CYP2D6 taking tamoxifen are prone to more toxicity and higher rates of discontinuation. That begs the question, of course, uh, sort of in line with the, the Target 1 study where they looked at higher dose of tamoxifen for patients who are poor metabolizer is could patients who are ultra-rapid metabolizers tolerate a lower dose, such as 10 milligrams, and still maintain some good effect of tamoxifen there. Another, again, another great study to be done, hopefully, in the future. So where does that leave us with CYP2D6? Well, this is what ASCO and NCCN say, is that uh, CYP2D6 genotypes should not be used to guide endocrine therapy for women with uh, ER-positive breast cancer, either in the uh, adjuvant setting or in the metastatic setting. Um, if you were to ask me my semi-educated opinion, I would say that does CYP2D6 have a role in tamoxifen toxicity and effectiveness? I'd say, yeah, um, it, it does have a role. But because um, we've been studying this for years and years and years and there's not a consensus, what that tells me is whatever role and contribution CYP2D6 plays with tamoxifen, it is a minor role, it's a small role, and there are many, many, many other factors uh, that contribute to, uh, say, the effectiveness of treatment of, of any patient with cancer, uh, let alone tamoxifen and breast cancer. But there certainly is a role, and um, we're gonna get to a point in society where the you know getting a, all of your pharmacogenotype, uh, your whole pharmacogenomic panel is gonna cost a couple hundred bucks if we're not already there, and you're going to find lots and lots of lots of patients who already have these CYP2D6 values, or there's CYP2D6 genotypes when they come to the clinic, when they come to get treatment, uh, and we would use whatever information we can to, to help guide treatment as best we can. Uh, and it's a little cliche to say, but more research is needed. Whew. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this this week's edition of, uh, of Oncofarm. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, at Oncofarmpod. Um, uh, follow uh, follow the podcast on Instagram as well, the same handle at OncoFarmPod. You can follow me personally on Twitter at FarmDeepNib. Uh, I've gotten uh, some great ideas from from some of you reaching out for uh, for future podcast episodes. Uh, feel free to reach out in, in DMs or you can Google me and email me. Uh, either way will work. Until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.